Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Ollie Mers chats ITV's The Voice 2020. Gugu Mbatha Raw tells us all about Miss World 1970 and her brand new film Misbehaviour. And Jane McDonald discusses the paperback of her memoir Riding the Waves My Story, plus how do you rent a whole cruise liner? Plus we talk climate change with Christina Figueres, Tom Rivet, Karnak. What's their qualifications? Well, they were the architects of the Paris 2015 Climate Agreement. All that and more, but first, Vassos, who, pray tell, is our next guest. From singing to football and judging to dancing, this man can do it all. He's proved (laughs) he has the voice by selling over four million records worldwide. Now he's helping harmonious hopefuls through canny coaching and a big red button. He's no stranger to swivel chairs and we're thrilled he's back in ours. Please welcome the awesome Ollie Murray. Good morning, all. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Can I say... Please, can. may I say? Yes. You've never looked more handsome. <laughs> Honestly, you got you got the whole blonde Thank hair you. thing going on. I uh, just, I just, you know, was fancied it, fancied a change. Tell us I about got... that decision. You know, because I know you, you love your hair. You have hair. Um, what's it like? I can't remember. <laughs> um... <laughs> I just got bored of looking at myself and thinking, God, I had the quiff for so many years, and. Um, I think you know you I was I was off for, for for long periods of last year of my knee injury, so I just thought you know why not come back with a bit of a change and just something fresh to look at. Honestly, you look cool. <laughs> you look really really cool. Thank you very much. You look Cheers. a bit Matt Damon. I like that. I'll take that. Yeah, it's alright, isn't it? I've had that before. Have you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. I haven't at all. I'm only joking. <laughs> you, are you, I, I used to be original, I think. No, I've, um, never, I've never been called Matt Damon. What happened I'll with the knee? It. What went on with the knee? You know what? I had a 10-year injury. I, I did it in about 2008, and I never got round to doing it. I couldn't even afford to go to go and get it done. It was a 12-month rehab of an ACL, and I just I had to work. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't not do it. So, anyway, I took. I thought it'd be fine. I, I trained and made sure my leg was really strong for for long periods. But over the last six or seven years, I didn't realise I'd go on and have the career that I had. And I'm jumping around on stage and doing all kinds of things. And it just got worse. And over that over that time, I'd got high half writers. My meniscus had gone, and just my ACL was in bits. So I just had to get it done. Yeah. What Gotta did you do with again. your time? Because I know you 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 can't sit still usually. Um. Well, I was obsessed with Love Island in the summer. Um. So I was I was obsessed with that because I've never watched Love Island before. So I literally got obsessed with that for the summer last year. Um, and then I got a girlfriend in the process. How that happened, I don't know, because I, I couldn't even go out to date. Um, and then, yeah, I just filled my time with with just reading and, and I learned the piano. I'm learning the piano now. So I was able to sit at the piano and learn. I've never been able to learn an instrument properly so I had, a, I had a teacher come around and I started learning the piano again from scratch and yeah I just just filled the time just by keeping positive really and just trying to keep my mindset because you know you read up a lot of these things and it can you know you can really get yourself in the 
in the dumps thinking, am I ever going to recover? Am I, am I ever going to be able to get on stage again? Am I ever going to be able to dance really again? Really got that, that, that seriously? Well, yeah, because my career has been built on really shaking my bum and dancing on stage. Of course, I can sing and I perform. No, but no, you do give great live. But yeah, but I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm a performer and an entertainer. And yeah. I think if I can't walk around stage and perform and have fun, and, uh-huh. and then then I'm not. And I love football. I love I love everything. So. Yeah, it was it was it was difficult, but I you know I'm positive I got got to the end and I'm, I'm at a good place now. Good so, yeah. for you. All right, all touched upon Love Island there, and yeah. um, it would be remiss of us not to talk about Caroline, mm-hmm. uh, a pal of yours, um, and of course you work with her uh, yeah. on X Factor. Where were you when you heard the tragic news of her passing? Um, God, even you just talking about it, it just makes me like I just can't get my head around it. To be honest, um, I was in Bali actually. I was on holiday with my girlfriend and her family, so it was um, yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I got the phone call about 2.30 in the morning, so I was actually asleep at the time. And, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I looked at my phone and just kind of in shock. And, yeah, it's not really, to be honest with you, sunk in properly. Um, You know, she was an amazing person, you know, and a great, yeah, just amazing in every way. I just, just a shame that it, that, yeah, it happened. And, you know, everybody that t- that's talked about her since, I didn't know her, really. She, I'd mm. interviewed her a couple of times. She, she seemed absolutely gorgeous, full of life. We interviewed her just before or after she won Strictly, I can't remember. But it was around that time. I think yeah. it was just before. I think it was when she was getting to the final. We always used to have the final. Mm. Do you remember Vassos? Yeah. She came in full of beans. She was brilliant, wasn't she, on, on, on uh, Strictly? Yeah. Uh, but everybody says, she, you know, she was... She was such a, a, a force for good. Um, she was so fantastic to work with. You know, you, d- you haven't heard a whisper about her being awkward on set ever or anything like that. I mean, t- just tell us a little bit about her. No, she was. I mean, just working. Me and Kaz had listened. You know, we had our we had our arguments and we had our fights, like everyone does. You know, we, you know, it was it was fun. You, had, quite, you seem to be quite similar to me, actually, both of you. Maybe that's why. You no, we did. We had we had. You know, we fought over different things. You say that line. I say that line. Um, you know, she was just brilliant. She was such a laugh. You know, she 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 was, you know, off camera we used to just have such a laugh. We'd go out, drink, and have a good time. She was just a life and soul. Um, you know, but this industry can be quite a nasty one at times. And and the you know the social media and all them sort of aspects. It was that negativity. Just I think we all get it and I think unfortunately Caroline it affected her a lot she used to always when we was on X Factor especially when we did the the big show uh, 2015 you know the, the, the level of abuse that we were getting each week was crazy I mean and you know the media wasn't wasn't helping with that either because they would they would you know they would write the stories of just you know like there would be 15 tweets about how bad our outfits were or how we were speaking or, you know, we might have just, I might have just hicked up on one line or I might not have said it correctly or she might have not said it correctly. And they'd write these stories of like, you know, we were the worst presenters in the in the country. You know, it was it was well, just so ridiculous. I remember at the time you and, uh, came on our show uh, on Radio 2 yeah. and in the middle of all that and you said, what, you said to me something like, what, what do you think? And, you know, for you, it wasn't the end of the world, but I mean, it's what you did and you were surrounded yeah. by it and you were really, that was you, by the way. And you, you obviously... Uh, a pretty robust individual of course i'm very strong and and you know what and that's the i think caroline it really affected her the, the level of the, the the criticism that she received and and you know i i can only imagine how she, i mean i i don't i, I don't know i mean God, it's just weird even talking about it but i know that yeah she of everything that was going on in the media before she died i mean it was it was horrendous it really really was you know and i i, I just 
for myself, I me- I messaged her during that period and just said, look, Kaz, I'm not reading the papers. I'm not reading about all this rubbish they're writing about you. You know, you've got my full support. If you need me at any point, you know, call me. Um, you know, I wish you did. Um, but, you know, it. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, sad, it's a sad time for her. For you know, for for all of her friends, but I mean, particularly for her family. I mean, they must be all be devastated. So, yeah, my love goes out to all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. You have a new um, partner in crime on the telly, of, don't you? Uh, with uh, a brand new judge on on X Factor. Oh, not X Factor, The Voice. Sorry, sorry, The Voice. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, of course. This this season, The Voice has been amazing. We've got. Of course, Megan Trainers come in. Have you ever considered going on tour with somebody else? Because she would be perfect for you to do a, do a sort of double head tour. Yeah, we we actually spoke about the. I actually tried to get Megan um, when we did up with Demi Lovato. I remember we we wanted Demi, and and you never know sometimes if, the, if people are going to say yes or no. So you obviously we, we then spoke to a few other artists, and we spoke to Megan. Unfortunately, she couldn't do it at the time, but. Um, so we almost worked with each other before. So I would, we would, I'd love it. She's she her, her music's great. I love I love how she just yeah she's a fantastic songwriter and she's a great singer. I, I mean you know I know, I know I know that you've got your own thing going on as lots of other musical artists have also. But mm. you know it's one thing having somebody to come and guest on your tour. But imagine just going on tour with somebody else and divvying it up straight down the middle. That would be a right laugh, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be unbelievable. I I mean I would say the closest I got to that was when I well I done it twice. I've supported. Obviously, I did Robbie Williams's stadium tour, um, 2013, which was like being on tour with one of your mates. We just every night we were there, like I was side of stage watching him, he was side of stage watching me. We were playing FIFA every night, and just just hearing Robbie's stories, as as everyone knows, when he comes on here, he's got great stories. And we spoke, we had such a great time. And then I had one direct, then I went on tour with One Direction in, uh, the year before that in uh, across America, which was just. Like even to this day, it's one of the most crazy experiences I've ever I've ever been involved in, and and you know yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So and I, I even going back 2011, 10, my first ever tour was with JLS. Yeah, but that's I did, their, I did their summer but tour. But that's supporting, it, isn't it? I mean, I'm saying yeah, if, oh, if you yeah, actually course. did a set with another person, it would be it would be cool. But then it'd, it'd always be that one question: Who's going to end the show? I don't think you're going to go, well, my, my song's bigger. Well, what if I do? You'd have this massive ego thing unless you mashed up a song together and yeah. you did the end of the show. Well, you'd, you'd have to do that. that I would want to end it. Like, no, it's my, <laughs> I want to end it. Uh, but it depends. You know, I, it'd be a lot of fun. So you say Robbie's got some great stories. I mean, you're building up a pretty good repertoire yourself nowadays, <laughs> aren't you? you? You've always got loads of stories well, when you come you on know, the programme. Just, 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 I don't know. I, just, I talk for England. I just like to fill the space. No, that's not true. A bit you... like you, Chris. You love chatting as well, so that's probably why we, we get on. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, you have, you have a tale to tell. It's brilliant. By the way, have you been watching the new series of Saturday Night Takeaway? Of course. How funny is it? It's just it's getting it's a great better. show. It's, how are it's they get, always how, amazing. How, but it's getting better, isn't it? Yeah, but it's great because we we get all their viewers as yeah, well. Which I is know, I love it. <laughs> what a warmer pact. <laughs> Not bad at all. Uh, Ollie Mers has been here this morning. Ollie, what a top man Thank as you. always. Great to have you. Absolute pleasure. No, Thank you for having really, me. Please keep coming to see us. Please. Always. Okay, I love you, Ollie, so much. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. All right, so who are we talking to next? Vassos, over to you. From an LGBTQ romance in Black Mirror to a mixed race 18th century heiress in Bell. Our next guest is not afraid to break down barriers. Soon to star as Jennifer Hostin, the first black woman to win Miss World in the star-studded film Miss Behaviour. Please welcome the glorious Gugu Mbata-Raw. Good morning, Gugu. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Good morning. 
Okay, it's the story of Miss World 1970. You play Miss Grenada. Yeah. Um, she goes on to win it. That's not a spoiler. It's out there. Yeah. Uh, but so much happens in the movie. Um, it was con- it was a very controversial Miss World, if, if indeed, you know, all of them weren't or were. Uh, but also it was a groundbreaking one. And that's the, that's the sort of... Um, the double-edged sword, which is the tail. Uh, can, can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, well, it was a fantastic year. I mean, it was 1970, as you say, um, and uh, it was the, the ceremony was in London at the Royal Albert Hall. It was the most watched um, TV show in the world. Yeah. You know, obviously pre the internet, pre-streaming. You know, everybody sat down to watch it while it was on, and uh, it was hosted by Bob Hope and. Um, Basically, the newly formed women's liberation movement stormed the ceremony in the middle of the show. They threw flower bombs on Bob Hope, completely disrupted the whole thing. And Kira uh, Kira Knightley goes to shoot him with a water pistol. <laughs> How dare she? It's amazing. There's Kira Knightley, Jesse Buckley, Keely Hawes. You know, it's an incredible this British is a cast. Brilliant cast. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's the year that obviously the the, the feminists sort of disrupt the ceremony, but also the first woman of color wins. So it's very interesting sectional you know there's so much going on there and I just think it's such a potent time um, you know the issues that that we're dealing with today you know are very resonant too but there is this beautiful conflict yes um, because because you have Keira Knightley, sort of middle class activist, mm. um, meeting Miss Grenada. Yeah. You know, after Miss Grenada's just won, yeah. and Keira Knightley's been, Keira, not Keira Knightley, but. <laughs> her name's yeah, yeah. Sally. Yeah. Um, so Sally has been arrested by the police um, and is almost handcuffed, about to be handcuffed, but needs a wee. Yeah. So she goes to the loo, and in the loo is Miss Grenada, who is five minutes, has five minutes since been crowned Miss World. And so it's like this uh oh. Uh, here's, this this is going to be interesting, and it is. Yeah, it's one of my favourite film uh, scenes in the film because it's really just that moment where, from going from the you know the macro of the protest and the pageantry and all you know the, the 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 scale of it to the intimacy of these two women, and really you know they come from such different perspectives. And I think you know um, you know a lot of the arguments that were sort of thrown against you know 1970s feminism was that it was mostly you know for white middle class women and it wasn't inclusive. And I think for Jennifer in that moment, you know she really underscores the fact that she has different opportunities and every woman has different opportunities and um, for Jennifer Hostin she really saw herself as an ambassador for her country you know Grenada this small island in the Caribbean most people confused it with Grenada in Spain you know it didn't have its independence from Britain at that time so she really felt like she was representing and and she was breaking boundaries in her own way and she wanted to be a broadcaster yeah she wanted to work at the BBC she didn't want to be like a model or anything like that no no and she had an amazing life afterwards you know she she became a diplomat, you know, for Canada, and she also became a psychotherapist. So, you know, she spent much of her life proving that she was much more than just a pretty face. Um, so, the film is, you know, really sort of uh, has all of these layers. It's really funny and entertaining as well. Uh, what's the what's the buzz? What, what's your, what's your sense of this? You've been in the business a while now, because I, I think it's going to be I think oh, it's going to be a, a biggie. I'm really thrilled, and, and as I say, I just think it's fantastic. It's coming out at this moment, you know, because we've had so much in the media about with the women's movement, you know, obviously the resurgence and, and um, you know, a lot of negative um, experiences that are being aired well, for women. Well, not dissimilar to what's in your film. Same things being said. Exactly. And I think this is also, but it, this is a very spirited celebration. And I think, you know, I hope people see it with their mums. I hope people see it with their daughters. And and, and it's for men too, obviously. It's, you know, but it's, it's also a real, you know, celebration of the solidarity of women 
women and and you know the the legacy of of the women that fought before us you know I, so for me you know I found it so inspiring and we have the real women here with us you know for the premiere on Monday well let's talk oh, about wow. that no it's one of those films all it's amazing to the fact they're all going to be there at the well the guess what happens well. at the end of the film I don't want to know. Don't spoil it. No. Shall I not? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, I think, I think, no, I, no think, I want to go and watch it now. No, it won't spoil it for you. I think it, I think it might help. Yeah. You want okay. people to go and see the film? I do. Okay. So these are real people. Yeah. Nobody's made up. Everybody's. There's no amalgamations of characters, which sometimes happens in true stories. To yeah. say, well, this person didn't exist. These three did, but this is an amalgamation of three people who were around at the time. Yeah. None of that. Okay. So everybody's in the film really existed, um, and at the end of the film. Can I say? I've got, I've got to say this. Go for it. Shall I or not? <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm not, you know not going to say it. At the end of the film, you'll have to see it when yeah, you go and see it on the 13th of March. How about I say this, Google? How about I say the fact my wife burst into tears? Immediately, instantly. I'll say it now. Yeah. Go on. It's powerful. There's a powerful moment. But you know. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll turn the microphones off and I'll tell you all here now and yeah, then okay. you can react to it. Okay. Right. Oh, right? What do you wow. think about that? That'd be amazing, right? And then you go... Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Wow. That's a it's, game changer. I mean, it's worth going just for that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The cake's pretty good, but that is that is the icing and the cherry on top, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Well done, Gigi. Thank yeah, you so much. Are they all so friends now, Yeah. Well, some of them haven't seen each other for, for many years, so oh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, they've all been in different countries. Wow. It's, it's almost as if they're all outside there. <laughs> Gugu's film, which is awesome, Misbehaviour, all about Miss World 1970. You have to go and see it. It's out a week today. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Guess who's in the house? Vassos, tell everyone. Our next guest is the motion in the ocean with her own cruise on the horizon and her new autobiography, Riding the Waves, keeping her afloat in the meantime. Things are going swimmingly and we're thrilled she could bob along today. It's the marvellous Jane McDonald. Jane, we all love you. Thank you very much. It's reciprocated. Seriously. Uh, is seriously. that a word? Yeah, of course it is. Good. It is. Well, it is now. No, it is anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jane, um, we, it's so easy to do this interview uh, because you're hiring a cruise ship uh, <laughs> for thousands of people to go on holiday with you for seven days and you've done it before and it really works. Yeah, it's a no-brainer really for me. Um, I, uh, I've worked on cruise ships all my life. Right. And then I got a call from um, Floating Festivals and they said, why don't you charter your own ship? And I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> so we have. We've chartered the Anthem of the Seas. Yeah. And me and my fans and anybody who wants to come on holiday with us are all going off and, and having a holiday together in so September. How, how many, oh how many people are you talking about on this boat? Four and a half thousand. Four and a half thousand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Have you got to filter through these people? Just like, no, just everybody's genuine? welcome. I don't care who comes. Wow. No, I mean, it's great. It's four and a half thousand uh, fans and about 1,300 crew as well, isn't it? So yes. 6,000 on the boat altogether. Yeah. Um, and uh, how do you go about renting a cruise liner? Well, that, thankfully, Floating Festivals did that for me. See, I'd love to know how, because they must rent it off the company. How yeah. much How much for a cruise how liner? How much would that be? <laughs> what do yeah. you do on the cruise? It is. It's, it's a brilliant thing, though, because I'm so synonymous with cruising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and my fans... You know, it's great to be with my fans and I don't get much chance to see the fans yeah. after shows and everything yeah. now. So the fact that I can just walk about and say, hey, how are you doing? Have a cup of coffee. And, you know, I'm taking my band on. Sean's coming. Is Sean coming? Yeah. Who's Sean? Who's Sean? Who's Sean? Yeah. So, Sean's my MD. Yeah. Um, well, well both are MDs. MDs. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's why you can't work this next month then. I, 
and I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he's with old McDonald's. Yeah, he's he old McDonald's. Right, okay. Um, and what's really funny about this, Jane's also wants to talk about her book. So she's she has the paper book, uh, sorry, paperback edition of her, of her uh, autobiography out. Now, it's called Riding the Waves, right? Mm. Um, but she was going to call it Unsinkable. <laughs> Oh, is that true? This yeah. Is the, and your mate said, you can't, you, you can't, it yeah. makes you sound like the Titanic. Yeah. I know, she is. Oh, come on, who do you think? Yeah, she says. It's, you know, this, what, look what happened to that. So yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. I quite so. like Unsinkable as a title. <laughs> right in the way, yeah. baby. All right, so it's all in there, isn't it? Uh, love second time around. Um, you know, long, yeah. long-lasting love second time around. Tell us about what Loose Women did for you. Well, yeah, I mean, I owe such a great deal to Loose Women. Um, I, I met my partner again because he was on this morning. I saw him on the... I used to go out with him when I was 18. No way. Yeah. And he was in a band called Liquid Gold, and I was a barmaid dancing on the bar. What, dance yourself dizzy, Liquid Gold? No. Yeah. Oh, my giddy Yeah. So I used to go out with him when I was, like, just 18. Right. So I was, you know, it's only a few years ago, obviously. Of course, yeah. But, um, (laughs) But then 27 years after... He was he was in the this morning studio. How long next, after? Which is next door. Next door to Loose Women. Twenty seven years 27 later. Twenty seven years and later. You, and, really and you hadn't romantic. spoke. No, we hadn't spoke. I had not, you know, because he was he was really rock and roll in those days. Well, it still is, but you know, it's calmed down a bit now. Yeah, it's yeah. A bit yeah. older, uh, thank goodness. Uh, but he was quite wild in those days, and I was a, a miner's daughter from Wakefield. I thought yeah. I can't handle this, so I got in the car and came home. Never fell out. Never split up really. Mm. So we just saw each other and it. Boom. So just for the geography of the situation, so yeah. th- this morning studio is next to the Loose Women studio, it is. isn't it? So yeah. and that's so they were so so he was on yeah. there. And but, I saw him on the monitor. Yeah, and you thought, well, I'm he's down the corridor. Yeah. So what did you do? Well, Donna, the makeup girls, I said, Oh my god, it's I used all to about go the makeup out. girls. Oh, yeah. It's all, all about the, the connectors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, Oh my god, I used to go out with him. And she said, Well, go say hello. I said, It's probably married, got kids and everything now, you know. She doesn't stop me saying hello. And and his divorce had just come through that week. So you went running. Like, like you do. Yeah. You know. Running Got into the, the frock studio. and everything. But um it, yeah, so we've been together. No, for... Hang on a minute, you missed a bit out, right? So, yeah. so you run down the corridor. Yeah. Uh, how did you get to the point no, I'm divorced. A minute ago I was divorced. how did that happen, that conversation? Well, it it was he just said, look, I'm, I've just been through a divorce. Um, here's my card if you want to talk to me, you know. And card. I couldn't wait. I know, here's my card. <laughs> I love it that. Been so old school. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it card. was, you know, blessing. Classic. Yeah. I think love he'd it. met him himself as well, oh, you know. Then, you know, like probably that. printed him out on some Pro- chip. Prunt? No, you used to go to Pronto print to get <laughs> yeah, your cards you did, done. Didn't you? Yeah, blimey. Yeah. 12, oh, 12 quid for 100. I know. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> What do you mean? It's so funny. This is our DNA, Ollie. This is where we came from. I've never used the card line ever, but that is. Hey, if if you're you're pulling Jane McDonald's, I'm I'm up for it now. I'll tell you what, though. Wouldn't it be funny just all to get. You lot should get cards. The new new generation. Bring them back. Well, here's my card. I'm Tom Tom Grennan. I I didn't embark upon singing until I was 18, but since then it's going pretty well, let me tell you. And that was it. You hooked up. That was it. Well, hang on. That wasn't it. So he gives you the card. Yeah. Right, and then what happens next? Well, I I ran home from uh, Loose Women. I couldn't wait to talk to him because, you know, such a lot had happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really, I thought, what if you don't know who I am? What if I go in there and if it's forgotten? Oh, come on. No, I really did. I thought, what if... What if he's going, excuse me, are we You're BAFTA winning Jane McDonald's. (laughs) You're you're thinking that he just gave you the cards just thinking, oh, she's obviously a fan. (laughs) Well, you know, when you first meet someone after 27 years, and I thought, I thought, 
who's this? You know, because I think you were a bit wild in the day. But uh, but he did remember me, and that was nice. And and then we you we left just, an impression. I did, of course mm. I did, darling. <laughs> <laughs> it want me cooking. Let me tell you. <laughs> cruise tickets to go on a cruise with Jay McDonald for seven days. Go to floatingfestivals.co.uk. Uh, riding the waves, her story, my story, out now in paperback. Also, the talking books out. Yeah, the audio, and I've I've read it. Thank so. God for that. <laughs> okay, so it's like being with Jane in the car. The abridged version. Uh, very good. UK tour for Jane. Uh, this is her, her landlocked tour. Okay, mm-hmm. if you don't fancy your Jane McDonald's sea legs just yet. Uh, from um, uh, York on Thursday, the 4th of June. Edinburgh, Perth, Eastbourne, Cricket, uh, St Thomas's. Uh, loads and loads. Uh, all the way uh, down south, uh, east to west. Uh, you've got Birmingham, Bournemouth, Leicester, Cheshire, Bridlington. Loads of dates. Leeds, North Wales, Milton Keynes, Gateshead, etc. 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 And Blackpool. Et Blackpool. Jane-McDonald.com. Jane, thank you so much. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio we've heard from three guests already but there's loads more still to come christina figueres and tom rivet karnak talk about their brand new book the future we choose surviving the climate crisis amazing american boffin brian green discusses his new book until the end of time and brand new cookbook hero ryan riley tells us recipes from his debut book life kitchen all that and more but first vasos who's next whether you separate your plastics, compost your food or upcycle instead of bin, you've still got nothing on our next guests. They forged the historic Paris Agreement of 2015 to tackle climate change and are now making sense of it all in their new book, The Future We Choose, Surviving the Climate Crisis. Please welcome the fantastic Christiana Figueres and terrific Tom Rivet. Good morning. Thank you. Lady and gentlemen, come close to the microphone so we can hear. How, how oh, are you we're both? Here, we're here, we're here. No, we're you are. Hurting. Tom was, here. Tom Tom was a little bit relaxed and yeah, reclined. Yeah, yeah. Tom, get with the programme. All right, I'm here, okay. I'm up. Uh, welcome, both of you. Thank you for your book. Thank you. I, I read this uh, when I was over in the States over the weekend. I didn't realise that you two were behind the Paris Agreement. I didn't know that. I just thought you'd written this book about climate change. It's amazing. Um, so um, she uh, was... Hold, hold on, Chris. Yes. Before you shoot your first question. Okay, go ahead. We have a question for you. Go ahead. In full transparency and disclosure... Yes, yes. Up until what page did you peruse? Because we know what your rule is for... Checking off. <laughs> so okay. be very transparent right. and tell us. Well, we can... know what we know what the rule would say. It would say page forty-seven. Okay. Did you read to page forty-seven? Well, my final fold for a note is one page one hundred and fifty-three. So no, 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 no. Plus your age, isn't okay. It? Well, let me show you this here. Okay, <laughs> full transparency right back at you. Where's where's the research copy of the book? Do you, do you have it over there, Miss Ellie? Okay. So what happens is the team we get a couple of copies of the book. Uh, so the team uh, get one, and then one of the team is put in charge of whichever book uh, we may be talking right. about. And that that is the research <gasps> book. Okay. Oh my god! Okay. I am very impressed. And then that is my own book with my own notes in it. So there you go. So you've been doubly researched. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm I don't know if I should be um, threatened. Or or very honoured. Well, which, which, what, what do you think? You don't feel threatened. You, you're welcome with open arms. Here. I mean, the, the only part, I'll tell you the problem is, because it's, it's an interesting point you touch upon, if if you do read too much of a book, and if I like them, I read them all, and then you know, you know too much about the subject, so it's harder to come up with the questions because you know the answers. Do you know what I mean? Well, if, if all the questions have been answered in the book, we're very happy, so that's fine. But okay. we don't think that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, um, so, so she was your boss. Christiana was your boss. Absolutely. Okay, so, and you two... Were, I didn't realise you, you. Did you two write the Paris 
Good really. heavens, no. So, so what, tell us about, were you the thrust of it? Were you the seed of it? Did you plant the seed of it? When did that happen? Yeah, planting the seed is maybe a very good um, analogy. Um, so I took over the negotiations in 2010. Which, what negotiations? Yeah, what, the, what, what the are they called? International Climate Change Negotiations that have a horrible name that you don't even want to know. Right. But it is where 195 countries come together as governments to decide what they're going to do over the next several decades. Um, and so I took that responsibility over to facilitate that process in 2010. But, you know, the fun thing about that job is that you have full responsibility for both the process and the outcome and absolutely no authority over it. Right. Because governments are completely sovereign. So um, just take that for your own life, Chris. If you have full responsibility, but no authority over this show. What it's like my breakfast do? table, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the thing, it, it, we talked about it, we talk about it every day, to be honest. You know, if you don't set your agenda, you'll, you'll be hijacked by somebody else's. It's a bit like that, I suppose, isn't it? Um, the word crisis. Crisis can be interpreted as um, uh, the need or the requirement or, or, or the desire for an intense request. Uh, crisis is a, is, it is a bit of a panicky word. Surviving is also a panicky word. Uh, however, we're doing better than often we're being told. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. We're on our way. And that story is not being told enough, right? Because too often the narrative on climate change is this is a disaster. It's going to be really bad. Yeah. We're not responding you're enough to it. You're all being very naughty. You're all being naughty. Gloom, you need to change, etc., etc. Et but if you look back just a few years, the rate of change is amazing, right? So just a few years ago, solar and wind were regarded as like these really expensive woo -woo. renewables. Woo-woo. Uh, yeah. they, they don't provide much energy. They're really expensive. They need these huge subsidies. That is not true anymore. In most countries around the world, solar and wind are now the cheapest form of new energy. Electric vehicles, which are a major part of the solution, they start from a low base, but they're doubling every 18 months, right? If you double every 18 months, in just a few years, you totally change the entire infrastructure. And the other one that I think is really interesting is to solve climate, we get to need to get to net zero by 2050, right? My kids will be younger than I am now in 2050. That's just a few decades away. And already, half the world's GDP, so that's countries, cities, whatever else, that covers half the world's economic output, is already covered by a target, a legal target, to meet that objective of being at net zero by 2050. So we're halfway there. See, I didn't know any of this because, you know, I, I, I'm totally on side as far as what you're talking about is concerned and we'll, we'll do anything within my world and as Bill Vassas and Rachel, any, anybody who's got a half a brain cell would do. But I, I did, you know, I'm not a doom and gloom um, uh merchant at all but also I, I tend not to listen to you either because i know it's, it's amplified uh, and you know people are telling us what we what they wanted to hear for maybe ulterior motives but i actually thought it was worse i didn't realize we've come this far and now just hearing that really buoys me and today i'll go away from it going right okay come on let's go because you know this this whole thing about you know, um, um, maybe a, a global franchise to stop using plastic straws and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful. But I think, really, is that going to change anything? But if it's part of this swell that's already happening, then yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and to bring it home, I think um, I'm not a Brit, but all Brits can be very proud of themselves because actually the UK is one of the very impressive leaders in the world. This is the home of the Industrial Revolution. This is the home of burning fossil fuels. This is the home of coal, this country. Now... 
In the UK, coal has been practically displaced as an energy source with the result that over the past 10 years, the UK has actually come down in its emissions, in its polluting emissions, by a whopping 29%. Let's call that 30. That's amazing in 10 years. And what Tom is saying is over the next 10 years, we have to do that by 50%. But the UK already did it by 30% over the past 10. And we now have many of these technologies of uh, of their solutions that are so much cheaper. They're 80% cheaper than they were just eight or nine years ago. So we can do it. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Move over, Brian Cox. There's a new brainy Brian in town. If you find science strenuous, biology bothersome and physics befuddling, then you need a copy of our next guest's new book, Until the End of Time. He's a prolific author and has 7 million TED Talk views to boot. Please welcome award-winning physicist, the brilliant Brian Green. Good morning, Brian. I bet you love that Brian Cox comparison, don't you? Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you. OK, you're aware of him, obviously. No, he's a good friend of mine, yeah. Is he? OK. Yeah, how how yeah. did you two get together? How did you first meet? I think I was on one of his uh, shows, the uh, Infinite Monkey Cage. Oh, right. That may have been when we first met. Was that the live show or the radio show? The live show. Yep, OK, yep, good for you. Yep. All right, Brian, um, the book kicks off with a Starbucks moment. Tell us about your Starbucks yeah. moment. Well, you know, when I was thinking about the far future of the cosmos, <laughs> as one is wont to do in a Starbucks. Were you queuing at the time? Were you in line? Exactly, yeah. It was an endless uh, wait for it. And, you know, uh, it can give you a sense of dread when you understand what the far future is going to be like. Everything will dissipate into particles floating right. through the void. And, you know, I found in a strange way that I was able to come to terms with this view of eternity where it focused my attention on what I was doing right here, right now, and the capacity of what we humans are able to accomplish. So it was kind of a turning point to my thinking about the far future of the universe while drinking my Earl Grey and soy milk. Well, why particularly then, do you think? Why did it drop you know, on you then? I, I wondered at the time why it was happening there, and it kind of struck me like, am I losing my mind kind of thing? Like, what is this feeling that's overcoming? And I think I'd just been thinking about these ideas so intensely as I'd been writing the book that it was a moment when it all kind of came together. And what, what was it? Was it a moment of relief, realization, foreboding? Relief, total relief, because it's a way of thinking about the world where you're no longer striving to leave a legacy. You're no longer thinking about the future as the only thing that can give value to what you do in the world. Look, so many people from the pyramids, right? What were we doing? We were building monuments so that our lives would have some lasting impact. Why do people give, you know, huge sums of money so their name can be chiseled in stone? It will last, right? So there's this tendency to think that to last is to matter. And to give up that perspective is quite liberating. So it's liberating on behalf of the rest of us and as far as the philosophy of the book is concerned. But that, that speaks to me as you had a moment there yourself because everything's personal in the end and the beginning, yes. I suppose. Um, and so what would, be, what would be concerning you about the premise of the question in the first place for the years before the Starbucks moment would have been based on fear? Because you had be, your, your fear of mortality. Absolutely. So what happened within yourself that released you to the extent you could think this on behalf of the rest of us? Well, you know, I think we humans do start from a place of recognition of our own impermanence. I think that's one of the defining features of the species, right? Look around the world. 
do dogs worry about dying? You know, even elephants that mourn the dead. I don't think they're walking around thinking, oh, goodness gracious, what am I supposed to do with my life here on planet Earth? But we self-reflective conscious beings, we think about the past, we imagine the future. And when we recognize that we're not going to be here, that is a commanding realization. It holds our attention and we have to deal with it in some way. And people deal with it in different ways. Let's talk about time let's leave yeah. with time so we'll get to the end of time which is a part of your book um let's talk about slowing time down let's talk about being on the treadmill in the gym in the last 10 minutes of an hour workout seem, seeming to take forever that psychological time this is clock time then there was space space and time yes so there are many different kinds of time and certainly the one that you started with is the human experience of time you know if a lecture is going bad it seems interminable if there's a great experience it can go by in a blink of an eye and that's the way the human brain experiences the the passage of events, the passage of time. But Einstein wasn't focused on that per se. He was focused on the objective quality of time that can be measured with very precise equipment. And he found, surprisingly, that time for you need not be the same for time for me if we are moving relative to each other or if we're hanging out, say, near the edge of a black hole. Time for you near the edge of a black hole will tick off very slowly on your wristwatch compared to time for me. And what that means is there's time travel. Time travel is real. This is not sci-fi nonsense. If you wanted to see what Earth will be like a billion years from now, in principle, Einstein laid out a blueprint for how you could do that. Go out into space, hang out near the edge of a black hole for a few months... <laughs> Come back to planet Earth. Your clock will have ticked off time so slowly that yeah. clocks on Earth will have been rapidly turning over and over again. And a billion years could have gone by on planet Earth. So when you step out of the rocket ship, you will be just a few months older, but Earth will be a billion years older. You will have jumped forward in time. And this, let me just emphasize, this is not speculative. Every physicist who knows what they're talking about agrees with what I just said. <laughs> How could they not? Let's go to a black hole immediately. <laughs> for, for a start. Okay, um, in the book, there is a section called uh, The End of Time. Um, will that ever happen? Well, in a sense, yes. So when I refer to the end of time, I'm referring to the end of interesting events that take place in the universe. What is time? Again, we don't know a full definition of time, but time is the passage of events, the changing of things Something in the world. Something has to happen for Something you to, to be able to see time. Exactly, right? I mean, the sun moves in the sky, yeah. you know, your watch changes. But in the very far future, stars will disintegrate into their particles, planets will disintegrate into their particles. Is this entropy we're talking this about? This is entropy. This is the rise of entropy. So in the far future, particles will just be wafting through the void, and there won't be any interesting events taking place beyond a particle moving from one location yeah, to another. Yeah. yeah. Get over yourself. Exactly. So in a sense, this is the era in which time as we know it, as we experience it, will have come to an end. All right. Um, this is all fascinating. Um, can you give people listening a, a takeaway yeah i think the takeaway is we live in a world in which there are fundamental laws of physics governing the ingredients and we are nothing but a collection of those ingredients governed by physical law yet 
we can do wondrous things. So you need both stories. You need the physicist account, but you also need the human level account. And when you marry those together, you get a very rich picture of reality. And that's really what the book is about. Round of applause. Come on, guys. Uh, Brian Green with an E, an extra E on the end of that end until the end of time. Uh, mind matter and our search for meaning in an evolving universe. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Uh, right, uh, more fun to be had right now uh, via a book which is in front of me, just landed on the desk, and there is food in the studio, and it's fresh, and it's made by this some kind of genius. Who are we talking about, Basil? Our next guest kick-started his career after winning £28,000 off a £1 bet just weeks after his mum died of lung cancer. He co-founded the UK's first cancer cookery school, bringing back the joy of food to palates affected by chemotherapy. Here to delve into the delights of his debut cookbook, Life Kitchen, it's the radiant Ryan Riley. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Great shirt. Thanks so much. Come on, Rach, look at that Excellent for a shirt. shirt. That, that, is a, that is a rocking shirt, isn't it? We like a rocking shirt, life at the top of the tower. Uh, so, so Ryan, first of all, tell us about this night out in the casino. Well, it was, it's, it's, everyone puts the two stories together. But how it went is, I basically, three weeks after my mother died, um, I went to the casino with a friend because I was feeling really depressed and I had no money. In, and my friend was like, if we win enough money for a night out, let's do it. So I ended up basically winning £28,000 from a £1 side bet. How did that work? How does that work? So it was blackjack, four, you had to get four aces of the same colour, the same suit. And it was just one of those things that, you know, six decks, six players probably shouldn't have happened. And it just did in that moment. Was, it, was there a moment where you had to sort of um, uh, take double your money or take yeah, the money? And yeah. So how, it, how many times did you have to do just that? Just once, because it was basically, I got two aces and they were same colour, same suit. And then suddenly that, that meant I had £100 and I was like, that's my night out. And then she, the woman behind the desk was like, if you split it again, you've got the chance to win the big one. So I thought, well, I've already won the 100 And then it just came out and I didn't really know what had happened. And then suddenly security came and then took away the cards and then gave me a letter of intent to give me the money. And so, so you took the £28,000. Well, what, first of all, what did you do with the rest of the night? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went on a very brilliant night out in Newcastle. Right. Um, it, was, it was pretty late while I'm pretty drunk and probably... Spent a lot of money. Okay, so but you woke up the next day and was it? Do you think was that all a dream or did it actually happen? Yeah, yeah. I thought well, I don't know what this is. What, what's going to happen now? And I had a letter to prove that I'd won it. So I went back to see Kimberly, who's um, my co-founder at Life Kitchen, and I said, "Look, we've got this. We've got this opportunity now. Let's go to London." And we did. All right, with the twenty-eight grand. Yeah. Okay, and so what did you do next? So we moved to London. Um, we paid our rent upfront for a year which is probably a very sensible thing to do. Very sensible thing. Um, and that sort of kicked off our career in London. We've been here for six years now, um, and we, we sort of worked in and out of fashion and then ended up in food. <laughs> really? Yeah. How did that transition take um, place? I don't really know. I've just always been a person who does things, and then sometimes you, I don't know how I got there. Good for you. I like that a lot. Yeah. Excellent. But if you do things for the right reason, the right things do tend to happen regardless of whether you have a plan or not. I mean, it can, it can go pear-shaped, but it hasn't for you. Right, right. So uh, this, this today culminates in uh, a beautiful book called Life Kitchen, Recipes to Revive the Joy of Taste and Flavour because on the other side of chemotherapy, um, one of the things that goes and makes life pretty miserable um, is, in fact, your, your sense of smell and taste. Yeah, and it's the fact that these cancer treatments can have such an adverse effect on how we enjoy food. Yeah. And my mother's experience, when my mother died when I was 20 and I was her carer from when I was 18. And I saw really firsthand how all of this was, like her, de her demise through it, how the cancer really got her. But what really upset her more than anything is that she couldn't find anything to eat. 
that she loved. I know, yeah, because you, you lose your appetite. My mum was in the same situation I lost a year before last. And, um, you know, and in the end, it, beca- it becomes a, an extraordinarily sad situation. But on the way, you know, any glimmer of joy is, is like a, a pot of gold, isn't it? Yeah. And so, so how do you go about over-flavouring things then? I suppose, which is, I suppose, what you do in the end, isn't it? Well, I guess that there is part of that. I, be, I wrote the book with a guy called Professor Barry Smith and Kimberly, and we both lost our mothers to cancer. And Barry is a sensory scientist at the University of London. And I just said to him, I want to do these, this cookery course. It started out as a cookery course before the book. And I said, let's, let's make sure that we can try and get the most flavour into things. So he taught me about things like umami, which is what the book is pretty much based on, um, about the trigeminal nerve, all things that sound weird, but it actually is that feeling on a Sunday when you have too much horseradish in your nose. Yeah, yeah. When it's that burn, that's the trigeminal nerve being stimulated. So we looked at all of those things and we just turned the little bits of science that we had into recipes. Um, so Ozzy Jane, she's, uh, she's posted noted your book for us uh, highlighting Thai basil um, and galangal uh, frittata on page 140 uh, these are all blue post-its uh, lemon and pomegranate uh, sherbet cake on page 206 looks absolutely stunning that's a great cake because you make it all in a pan so you melt all of it together um, and you just do it all in one pan and just whisk in the eggs so you don't have to do anything so no creaming of the butter and sugar it's just heat it all up put it in a cake tin bake it loads of fun uh, miso white chocolate and frozen berries that's on page uh, 212 and you say that is your most useful um, the, the best, best ever it, recipe you've written it is it absolutely is when we did um, to write this book we went around things called the Maggie Centres they're cancer centres across the UK and I just became their new UK ambassador and when we wrote the book um, when we wrote the book I sort of did all this te- these supper clubs that were called Refine the Recipe and we asked all these cancer patients to see what they thought of it and if they hated it we'd scrap it if they loved it we wouldn't and miso white chocolate berries with frozen um, miso white chocolate sauce with frozen berries they loved and um, they made me give them the recipe before I left the room so now the book's out today I can say that to my publishers who are looking at me through that window um, and say that I'm sorry I gave people the recipe before because it's just so good I'm sure they won't mind with a bit of sort of viral pre-publicity OK now they're all the blue post notes then there are some pink posts and the reason they're pink is because that's the food he's brought in. Okay, so what have you brought in? First of all, pineapple tacos with prawns, chilli and lime. Yes. How very day. I know, right? This is our most famous dish. So this is... (coughs) Pass them over, please. This is slicing pineapple um, until it's it's a round disc. Yeah. Um, So that forms a taco shell. Taco in inverted commas there. Um, And then we've got some prawns, we've got coriander, we've got chilli, we've got spring onion, we've got lime. And this is a dish that helps break down the idea of um, flavour. Because if someone has not tasted anything in a long time, we show them within five inches... Five, six ingredients in five minutes, how to get immediately um, beautiful, bright, vibrant flavour. So re- it. To almost to reawaken yeah. their Yeah, and it's also to break down the mental barriers. If yeah. you've not been eating because you don't want to, then getting back into the idea of eating is really difficult. So something like that breaks it down. And from a distance, they look like sort of Chinese pancakes. I thought they were pancakes, but they're pineapples. They're pineapples, I yeah. love it. All right, Rachel? That was absolutely delicious. And not just the whole range of flavours, but also the textures. Yeah, it's, it's got gorgeous. a bite, it's got a brightness, the acidity. And pineapple has a really great enzyme that stimulates saliva production. So that's why it feels so like um, beautiful and moist and vibrant in the mouth. 
It's a really great one. I tell you what, Ryan, you are a good kid. Ryan Riley, Life Kitchen, recipes to revive the joy of taste and flavour. It's out today and it's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. The things he makes is gorgeous. His world is gorgeous. And we're just happy to be a little bit of it, part of it today. Thank you so much. Well done. You are very welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.